Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Not Your African Cliché. Before we get into today's episode, though, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, where we are Not Your African Cliché, as well as SoundCloud, where we are NYAC Podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, we are Not Your African Cliché, Twitter, at NYAC Podcast, and Instagram, NYAC underscore podcast. You can also email us at notyourafricancliche at gmail.com. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, everyone. I'm Ife. Hi, everyone. This is Amayo. Hey, everyone. This is Ifeyua. Hey guys, this is Onyeka, aka Yeka-O. And welcome to another episode of Not Your African Cliché. We are so, so excited for this episode because it is one that we've been thinking about for a while and we are excited um, to, to, to put this out into the world. So today's topic is African traditional religions and we are joined by two respectable people in the field. We're joined by our family Lucy and Baba Ifakunle. If you want to introduce yourselves, um, we'll start with Baba Ifakunle. If you could tell us your name, your background, um, where you're from, where you live, all of that information. Yes, greetings, Baba Boye, to everyone there. Uh, my name is Oluwole. I'm here in New York City, Harlem. I'm the Babalawo of Harlem. And um, so, you know, I have um, one of the people who have been in, involved with since uh, the early uh, or the late 60s. And um, I was brought mm-hmm. into the tradition by a man called uh, Sergeant Adepumi I, who was probably one of the first people to be initiated African-Americans into the into um, into the Cuban system, which was the Lukumi system at that time, um, mm. you know, and uh, he was interested really specifically in voodoo as a way and a means mm. to be able to, for African liberation and, and be able to liberate his people. So he was mm. introduced to voodoo in 1956, 1955. And um, so after that, he um, had made some contact and went on. So I was... I have been and been a student of his, and he uh, was one of the first people to do a an Ifa consultation for he consulted Ifa for me or used carry shells at the time. Later on, mm. he became initiated to Baba uh, to an Ifa priest in 1972. Mm. So I'm a, a, a student of his as well as a, um, a host of others. You know, Baba or Ogunwande Abimbola Awishe. I've studied mm. with him extensively, maybe about three years, and we did chants and stuff. We um, mm. studied and have st- sat with uh, Ifa Eliburibong, who is, have, you know, very, very well renowned, um, the Awishe of Oshogbo. I uh, was initiated in a place called the Ejibo in 1989. Mm. Um, so um, the um, the works of um, of Ifa has been really wonderful for me, and uh, mm. you know, so I continue to devote my life to the practice, and as well as be able to 
uh, propagate our our traditional ways as well as um, you know bring it to the general public at large. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for the introduction, sir. Our family, Lucy, can you tell us about yourself? Um, what's your background? Where were you born? Where do you live? I am family, Lucy. I would like and if I priest. I was born in Ogun State to the family of Shifam Lucy. Although we are from Oshun State in the southwestern part of Nigeria, I migrated to Alakuko, Lagos while I was four years of age. A move by my father to make my study of Ifar more serious. My father, who being an Ifar priest, felt that I would not be serious in my training, took me to his friend, the current president of the International Council of Ifar Religion worldwide, in person of Shif Sholagbari Kukwala, a prominent and internationally acclaimed Ifar priest, with many written books on Ifar religion. I became initiated into Ifa in the year 1999 by Olu and thereafter, I have an opportunity to get to Ifa Shitahin title, namely Surepawu and Odewale of Odewale land and Ashawu of Ubialara Temple, Idara, respectively. Thank you. Um, so, can you tell us wh- what is Ifa? What was your first interaction with um, Ifa? What made you? you know, kind of like your journey to becoming an Ifa priest? Well, sure. You know, the um, I, when I was initially uh, had a consultation with Ifa, one of the first things they told me is that I was going to be involved with Ifa and that I was in a, going to need to become initiated and eventually become initiated to uh, becoming an Ifa priest. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as I, I was still in my youth. I was, you know, I was taken there from my mother, from my mother, because I was having some difficulties, just really coping with the life and, you know, the inner city, um, rumors rose and being in the street. But um, I was a good kid, but I was just still troubled, you know, having come in from trouble. And so I think my mother, in, in her attempt to be able to straighten my life out, was to introduce me to to come in and to uh, seeing this uh, Baba Lao, this uh, Risha priest. And he read for me, and uh, he explained that I was going to be involved with the Irish tradition, and that I was needed to, need to go as far as I could, and that I would eventually be doing this. I basically told him, I got up off his mat and told him he must be crazy. This guy's crazy. <laughs> and that he was a chicken killer. I called him a chicken killer, and eventually my, oh my, my, my mother's hand met my face. <laughs> <So> <laughs> not to be so disrespectful and to sit down. And, um, you know, so, um, it was a it was a very very interesting road because um, I had basically I had left uh, you know Christianity at some point in time and uh, you know I went in and was involved with the African uh, Liberation Movement and was uh, involved with uh, various things but you know I had gone deeply into both Sunni Sufi all type of Islam you know and the national uh, so that was my on enclave to being really escaping from traditional religions, escaping from um, uh, Christianity um, and being, uh, you know, um, away from from really trying to to, to liberate and free my mind from some of the chains that had been put on as I was growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had come into some other difficulties in my life, just feeling like I needed a little rough time. And I decided, oh, let me go and seek out, you know, some counsel. I had been in college at that point, and I went and seek some counsel 
from a woman who they so I knew, and she said, "I know somebody." So I went to go and see her. She was a she was a divine uh, the uh, Yemen priestess, and she was a, a tarot card and, and Karisha diviner. And she divined, and she's first thing she told me. She says, "So what do you mean? I was looking, you know, for you to tell me what I need to do." She says, "You know about this already. You know about all of this." I said, uh, well, you know, I'm familiar, but, you know, I, maybe I think maybe if you give me some bath, I can get a little better luck, you know, in my life. And she basically, you know, chastised me and told me that I was going to go through such a big problem if I didn't, you know, submit and come in and be involved with the Orisha tradition and, uh, and traditional religion, that it was my way and that I knew that already. And from a long course of really talking to her, she eventually uh, you know, gave me uh, some herbs and things that I needed to do to bathe, and I was really happy, and I thought I would never see her again, really did. I was, like, so happy to get away from her uh, because, again, I was still rejecting this this idea. But one of the things she told me in the conversation is that I would be having some an extent with the police, and I knew that I was one of the people that I didn't get involved with any situation uh, I was not. A, I was in college, and I wasn't involved with drugs, and I wasn't involved with anything that would put me there. But I was actually falsely uh, arrested. A sweep of about about fifteen men, and I was a chess player, so I was playing on chess, playing chess. And the next thing I know, um, you know, the police came up and they found a gun, and they took everyone. In um, in and, and then I realized, oh, this is a situation the woman told me about one year prior. And so that I started making a prayer, and I saw a vision of a, of a of an entity, actually a boya. And I says, so you know, it was my prayer, and I was still praying in in you know Arabic, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> and but what manifested in my face was this image of um, you know of boya, and I said, oh my God! So you were the one that put me in this mix. Listen, whatever I got to do. To get out of this, if I get out of this, and, and I had really a horrendous uh, episode of the next three days. Um, they really treated me horribly, and I swore and vowed that, look, if I get out of this situation good, whatever you guys want me to do, I'll do. Mm-hmm. And it really is the kind of almost, uh, you know, as that idea of Saul from Tarsus, you know, as I fall down and put his head and, you know, dark for three days and when he resurrected. So that same kind of thing in, in, in some ways affected me, but I chose to be involved with the traditional African religion and to be fully involved with it. And that's yeah. basically my story. And as bit by bit, I became, became interested in the, and involved with the Congolese religion and the, in Kisi. I studied some voodoo. I was going to places where the Akan people were practicing their religion. I went to uh, various places to be able to try to navigate this long um, pull that is being, you know, by something that was being pulled to me by the ancestors. I was involved with the um, the uh, Shango Baptist people of Trinidad and Tobago, and it just whatever Haiti or the Haitian voodoo. I mean, whatever they were doing, I was going there to find out where do I belong. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, I found myself back at uh, at the Euro- at the feet of the Yoruba, and uh, a Yoruba mm-hmm. man that I knew said, "Look, I will do a divination for you." 
and I will tell you what's your life. And he told me that the Rumila said that it was the Odu that came, was an Odu that said it was when when Rumila takes heaven uh, from heaven to bring, trying to bring heaven to earth and earth to heaven. And he says, uh, you need to become initiated. So this was a, a continuous routine. I kept hearing the same thing. You're going to be a priest. You're going to be initiated. You're going to be involved. And even as much as I rejected it, I had already made my promise. Whatever you do, as soon as I get out of this craziness, I guarantee, you know, I will commit myself to really researching and being involved with it. And um, mm -hmm. things, of course, you know, cost, you know, and to, but especially, you know, the trip to Nigeria it was a very costly trip. And I, I was... <laughs> As a student, you know, I had just was just finishing college, just still trying to get, find my way. And I said, well, you know, mm -hmm. you, if you guys want me to get this uh, initiation, you want me to be involved with all of this, then you need to bring me the money. You need to bring me the money. I was screaming in the park one day. <laughs> and just as mystical mm -hmm. as I can tell you that I said that in that prayer in the park, it was just as mystical, the money came. And I got a good uh, paying position to go to England, in fact. Hmm. and went and spent about two and a half weeks in England, came back, and I had a pocket full of money. Hmm. I said nice. to, to myself was, oh, let me take this money and buy me a new car. I'll get initiated <laughs> a little bit later. And I hmm. another spiritual woman that I knew saw me. She says, oh, you're back. She says, so when are you going to get initiated? I said, well, I'll wait a little while because, you know, I really do need a new car. <laughs> and she said, she said to me, look, I don't think you should do that. And I said, hmm? And she convinced me that I needed to make my tr my plans. And within two weeks, I was in the plane and going to Nigeria. Mm. The first and foremost factor in becoming an Ifa priest is the will to learn. Although the study of the ramifications of Ifa shows that it comprises of eight basic essences which one must be totally entrenched into after initiation into Ifa. The essences are as follows. The religious essence, the divine essence, the worship and sacrificial essence, the medicinal essence, the historical essence, the scientific essence, and lastly, the cultural essence. In the Yoruba religion or culture, when a child is born, the Akose Jaye, which is the which the English translates as the career path, is divinely inquired from Ifa. The child might end up becoming an Ifa priest when it is found out that becoming an Ifa priest is the child's career path. Like myself, my parents did divine consultation and it was discovered that I am going to become an Ifa priest. Furthermore, a person can decide to become an Ifa priest through devotion and the willingness to become an Ifa ambassador, having understood the essences of Ifa and subsequent training required to become a priest. Ifa, being the greatest unwritten holy books on heart, a perennial fountain of knowledge from the esoteric angle, has 16 principal odus and 240 or more odus, which makes a total of 256 odus. The verses of Ifa 
are presented in parable format with 1680 verses per odu which in turn amounts to about 430080 messages for mankind and an ifa priest to know hence it solidifies my claim that becoming an ifa priest is determined by one's great devotion to the study and SSCs of IFA. Thank you for sharing that with us, Baba. Ladies, so I want to know, what was your first interaction with traditional African religion? What do you know mm. about traditional African religion? Hmm. Uh, I can go uh, over here. And I don't know that I necessarily know um, for, for certain the first time um, that I became aware of African traditional religions um, but I think it would be a culmination of like learning in school um, you know when they were talking about you know they're Christians they're Muslims and then they're people who practice traditional African worship um, so it would be that in addition to um, Nollywood of course um, <laughs> that's where we get all our education from um, so just watching oh. those movies because I, I was a huge and still am um, a very huge Nollywood fan. Um, but so watching those scenes where, you know, there'll be a Dibia or um, as an evil person, that's what we call them. Um, what so is that, a Dibia? Oika. So a Dibia, a Dibia is kind of like a priest, um, if you will. So basically they're the ones who, I guess, hear from god whichever god it is whether amadi or how or like whichever god so that's a dibia yeah um, i always i always saw it as like the evil word for babalao okay um and then of course like traveling to the village and then getting warnings of what we're going to the village you don't eat everything that everyone gives you mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Especially when we give you the look, and you're just like, "Why?" And you're like, "You just don't. You don't know who you know is trying." To, and you're just like, so curiosity leads to imagination, leads to Nollywood. I, I guess that would be my mm. interaction mm. with um, African traditional religions. Uh, most um, people encounter with Yoruba traditional religion, especially people from the diaspora, is through. Nigerian popular Nollywood uh, environment. And um, although I must commend the Nollywood people for trying to portray and trying to make people understand that the traditional religion is, is still in vogue and is still thriving. But unfortunately, we lived in a stereotype environment where people hardly challenge information. And where people are hardly challenged the status quo. The most of the content as regards Yoruba traditional religion portrayed by Nollywood is total fallacy. And um, it's, it's a slap on the integrity of the entire traditional religion as a whole. It is so unfortunate that the majority of those in the Nollywood who understand Ifa religion or traditional religion as the case may be, even from the eastern part of Nigeria, those who worship Amadioha, uh, there are very few people who really understood or understand 
Ifa in, in contemporary and simple terms. I must give comment to the person of uh, Adebayo Fariti, the man who produced the film called Bashanruga. Every other Nollywood actor or actress has portrayed traditional religion from a stereotype angle. So let me quickly clear some here on this issue. Firstly, the the in the tradition in the Nollywood movies, it is it is sad to note that even most Ifa practitioners are not consulted in the designing of uh, the Ifa Ifa house or Babalawu power powerhouse. Most of the designs are wrong, alien to even most of the deities. There are some colors that are not even supposed to be in the Ifa temple as as in in line with the deities. But unfortunately, the designing of the the files, the the resolutions that people actually come to Yanifa priest to inflict pains and sufferings upon their fellow man is totally wrong. Ifa is a religion that preaches peace, peace, long life, good tidings, and all that. So when you come to an Ifa priest, you are expected to come and make findings about how your life is going to be better and how you are going to live a more fulfilled life. So it is, it is unfortunate and quite sardonic that you will come to an Ifa priest in a Nollywood movie only to come and make um, um, a case against a fellow man in a bad and evil manner. Ifa religion is totally against that. Ifa, Ifa religion is against those who, who try to harm their fellow man. So most of those, um, those uh, things portrayed by, by Nollywood is, is wrong. And it's so, so sad that mo even from the international scene, most people's encounter with our religion is through Nollywood. So I, I would like to say that that does not actually portray what Ifa or traditional religious stand for. But nonetheless, there are a very few percentage, probably about two or three percentage of the entire mass of the Nollywood people who actually portray traditional religion in their movies the way it should be portrayed and the way it really is as against the stereotyped mandate being portrayed by the majority of the Nollywood practitioners. Yeah. So this is the same, and I'll just echo what Onyeka said. The same thing, my interaction with traditional religion, traditional uh, worship has been primarily through Nollywood and through films. Um, and in those films, traditional worship has always been positioned as demonic and has, and has always been positioned as the evil force, whereas... It was always, and, and the portrayal was always in opposition to Christianity. That was mm. the, that was essentially, you know, most movies, it's like traditional practice against Christianity. And typically whoever is, you know, practicing traditional religion is doing something evil. 
and then mm-hmm. the person who's a Christian is praying against it. So throughout my life, that has always been the representation of traditional religions. Um, and so that definitely like shaped my perspective for a very long time about, um, traditional religions. But I want to say like in school, it's probably was brought up, um, that I think between Islam and Christianity was, it's almost 50 50, but then there's, there's a small percentage that practices, um, um, traditional, traditional religions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hi everyone. This is Amayo. Um, <laughs> So I I definitely echo what Ifeyuwa and Onyeka said. So schools, you know, when they teach about religions in Af- in, Af- in Africa and Nigeria, and then also Nollywood movies, which I have, <laughs> which gave me nightmares for a long, long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. For days. Um, and I guess like kind of like what Ifeyuwa was saying, I actually have a question for. <laughs> <laughs> I have oh question. yeah, like from Karashika to like yeah, you know all these <laughs> so many so many movies, so many. Um, so my question is, do you think what you do is in contradiction or opposition to Islam or Christianity or any other particular religion? Thank you so much for that question because it's one of the most important important questions that people need to know. That you know mm-hmm. that we are our ancestors. I think, you know, one of the problems is that, you know, and listening to you all who are young people who have not been really exposed to traditional religion in any way or in, mm-hmm. in the, the way that you've been exposed to it is in such a negative light. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea of being exposed to something which is such a natural and beautiful thing. When you think mm-hmm. about the, um, the idea of Christianity, you are not thinking about the natural things that you would find in in traditional religion. Traditional religion is based around natural laws, natural occurrences. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Oshun is the river. We're talking about the roads or the opening of the roads as being a legba or the clearing of the roads of Ogun or the, uh, the idea of uh, Oya as the wind, um, Shango mm-hmm. as the thunder and lightning, as, as the Orisha, as the Risha Risha, Yemonja, the river, the goddess, and the, uh, you know, Olokun is the bottom of the sea, and the dwelling of Ochosi, and, you know, the various Babaluaye. All of these names mm-hmm. wreak fear in most Africans. They have uh, such a, a fear of this, of uh, these deities, and you have a mm-hmm. very, very different experience and a different exposure to the phenomenal. Although I do also have a very similar, um, and exposure to uh, traditional religion in the United States and that they would like to make us to believe that these things are contrary to the ways and the beliefs of, of, of the general practices of other world religions. So the other world religions or the most popular is, of course, Judaism, Islam, as well as Christianity. But if, you, if you're going to read your Old Testament, if you're going to be very, very proficient in understanding what it's talking about, you will find that, you know, who is Ezekiel? Ezekiel was a, 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 um, is a diviner. You look at who, who was a prophet. You look mm-hmm. at uh, Isaiah. You look at Daniel. Who are these people that mm-hmm. they're talking about? These were prophets. These were prophesizing. They were prophesizing. Mm-hmm. They were predicting the future. Even if you want to understand who Jesus was, if you want to understand who Moses was, and the, po- the, and the importance of, of these messengers. Well, in our own, our own divine uh, messenger is called Orumila. 
Arumila is a lot of people. I can't join the Maya jail. Do a boom. That Arumila is the is we believe in. We have the same beliefs that everyone else does. In that we believe in one God, and this is the thing which is so very very critical for people in 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 your listen audience to understand that traditional practice or traditional religion, particular within in the confines of Yoruba, the Igbo, they believe in one God. There's one God. And they're very, very mm -hmm. similar in practices in terms of what we go through, what they're, um, what they're um, reaching for. They are practicing those traditions that were brought down. God has to represent and look like you. When you uh, are, you are representing or you're believing in these uh, ideas, these, these ideas of uh, Islam or Christianity, you are getting what they call imported religion. You've imported mm -hmm. these beliefs. The God does not represent what you look like the chinese have buddha and buddha looks like a chinese these are important religion things that they are showing you and the guys and um showing you white god they're showing you this jesus and they have made people fear their own and these african traditions are living traditions and you've been falsely falsely um put into believing that these traditions are not natural, that these are not uh, God-fearing God traditions. We said we believe in Edumari. Edumari, the owner of today, the owner of yesterday, the owner of all days to come. This, to know his laws and command, the Agbamori, the Rumale, these are the divine or messengers, these are the, the emissaries of Edumari. So in that, we believe that first, and there's emissaries that then are do his bidding, not under, so when, you come mm -hmm. to uh, needing to talk to other religions. They only have one major uh, person to call on. Mm -hmm. In traditional religion, we have many that we can call, but we're still mm -hmm. all, all under the guise of Olo Dumari, of Ed Dumari, of Olo Rune, who is the owner of heaven, the owner of, of the skies, and of all the things that there are under it. So this is really a misnomer. This thing that is, you know, goes out and this idea of Nollywood and this idea of showing this craziness that they want to show, um, you know, to give you nightmares and to give you fear so that you will not love your own. How can you not love your own? How can then, then you're going to basically take yourself outside of your culture, cultures and these cultural practices are all part of the politics of the people and the beliefs and the belief patterns of the people. And what ends up happening, when we talk about this, we talk about how it relates to our moral fabric, our fundamental our ethics, our beliefs, and it shapes our way, how we move. So when you start to believing in other people's religion, then you are trying to believe in what they believe, and that shapes and forms your idea. And shaping your forming your idea of what God looks like and is, then you are, you are taught that you have to fear this God, that he's a terrible God. And that you, and that this idea you can't assault you know this this idea has been so uh, mistaken and, and mm -hmm. it's so I mean I'm so passionately you know uh, impassioned by the idea uh, that Africans are just being influenced by traditional uh, beliefs and and shunning them yet and in the, under the cover of night they go for the for the herbal medicine I was in Nigeria last uh, October and I was doing divination. Uh, with all the Babalaos, and all the Babalaos told me, ah, Baba, if I only come, come and make divination. I thought it was a joke. You want me to do it? You guys all taught me for all these years. Yeah, yeah, come and make divination for this man. And he was a, uh, a governor. He was a governor, and he came in the middle of the night. 
It was a governor in, in Nigeria. I won't say his name or what town or what, but I'm just saying that this is what. And he went and we did that all. They went and they got the necessary perpetuation and to make the atonement. And this is not the first time because many ministers they come to the Babalaos and they want to get something that will go into the church to bring people, you know. And they're living lavishly while everybody else is supposed to be living in poverty. But I hope I didn't speak too long. But it's just really a passion. Uh, yeah. It's a really passionate thing that I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Because there's so many things in terms of traditional African priests. They're able to make consultation, divination, yeah, and they talk to the, they talk to the divinity. Mm-hmm. And then I, as I was just in the, in the program with uh, Morgan Freeman, where he talks about, you know, he wanted to know about God. And he wanted to know about the proof of God. And I mm-hmm. said, one of the ways we're able to prove God is, is through our way of communicating with our God. You know, we're not waiting for We go and want to talk to him, and the gods talk back to us. And they talk to, back to us through divination. Mm-hmm. You know, and this idea, and you know, that there's, uh, we have elders, and we have a council of elders we need to go to. And we, you know, there's naming services, birthing services, weddings, there's, we make invocations, we make all important things. Mm-hmm. And traditional mm-hmm. religion is the fundamental of all religions in the world. Traditional religion is the fundamental because Africa taught culture. And religion to the world. The the practice of Yoruba traditional religion is not in conflict per se with any other religion, either Christianity or Islam. But I will just um, give a simple analogy as regards Yoruba religion. You see, I used to tell people that language is a fulcrum of life and with language every other sphere of life is is embedded inside language the religion which is the which is the designed means of man's communication to god is embedded in man's language the culture the way you eat the way you drink type of cloth you wear, the way you address people, the way you sleep, the way you do virtually everything is embedded in your language. So, every language has its own religious model. So, Yoruba language as a whole has our own way of communicating uh, directly with God, which is the Ifa religion. So, although we are not in conflict with the Christian religion. Neither are we in conflict with the Islamic religion. But I just want to sound the point of note that it is of grave level and the highest level of gullibility as a Yoruba man to say that you are a Christian. Simply because Islam or Christianity are not in any way associated to the language called Yoruba language. The Japanese will never tell you he's a Christian. The Japanese will rather become a Shinto. The Chinese who practice Yin Yang and uh, will not uh, or Tai Chi will never ascribe to the fact that they are Christians. The Indians who, who worship their gods will not tell you they are Christians. Rome, the ancient city of the gods, will never tell you they are Christian. 
every language on the face of their heart as a religious model or a means of communication with God. So as a Yoruba man, it is so, just so normal for me to be an Ifa practitioner and so abnormal for me to ascribe to myself what is alien to my default setting as a Yoruba man. Because if I am supposed to be a Christian, perhaps I would have been created or I would have been given birth to in another environment where English is the status quo. Or in another environment as an Islamic person where Arab or Arabic is the status quo. But I believe Olodumare created me as a Yoruba man with a default factory-fitted Yoruba engine. Basically, so that I can be able to do all my things in the Yoruba way and communicate to him as the Almighty via the Yoruba means. So, I want to retreat again that as much as we do not have conflict with every other religion because every other religion is a means to an end and the end is simply to communicate with the Most High Architect of the Universe. And so, uh, we have no conflict with anybody or any religion, but it is it is vital to note that most of our Yoruba people are gullible. Thanks. Thank you, Baba. Um, so this is this kind of segues to my next question. So there's this one of our resources that we read for this episode is an interview with Jacob Olupana. Olupana. He is um, a professor of indigenous African religions at Harvard. A quote from this from his interview is it goes african spirituality simply acknowledges that beliefs and practices touch on and inform every facet of human life and therefore african religion cannot be separated from everyday or mundane so um, that was a quote that really that really stuck with me and my question for you ladies is that like what are the what are aspects of your culture um that you can trace to like an african traditional religion if any so like like you know you know i for example um this is ifelua speaking for example you know there's the respect for elders and you know making sure that you're respectful of your elders and the elders kind of have a big sway in our communities so there are things like that then there's naming ceremonies so my family is christian but we still do the the Yoruba tradition of waiting until the seventh day to name children and, you know, using mm. honey and cola nuts and palm oil and different things, mm. items to like name for the naming ceremony of the child. And, you know, we're Christians and, and it's such a beautiful tradition and it's such a beautiful ladies. Do you have any, <laughs> any, any such examples? If a quick question, when you touched on this is the thing when, when you touched on how you um like the role your elders play and how you greet mm-hmm. them, one thing that came to mind is like prostrating. Mm-hmm. Like when I see you know dobale mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you know people are older than you, is that also is that something that is so so seen in like yeah so or, so it's it's it's, it's a Yoruba sure, tradition and the thing about like. Yoruba tradition and African traditional religion and like what I'm, what I'm learning is that there's a lot of fusion or blending. Overlap. Yeah. Overlap. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's not, it's not a hard deli. One or the other. Yeah. It's, there's right. no hard delineation of, you know, mm-hmm. 
oh you know this is simply culture and this is simply like religion it's 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 very embedded and intertwined so i'm wondering from you ladies are there aspects of your culture or like your everyday life that you can like kind of you know see glimpses of of your traditional religions or you know your ancestors traditional religions um yega over here and i think one big one for many Igbo people is um, the importance of kolanot mm. or mm-hmm. aji like they call it. So you um, will have a gathering of, you know, maybe say five Igbo people, hundred Igbo people, there will always be um, kolanot and there will always be the prayer. Um, I think they call it iwaji or something like that, where you they, mm-hmm. there's a prayer that goes before the kolanot is um, shared amongst um, people and that prayer is prayed towards you know i guess at the time the gods or whatever religion so even though you know i'm christian or whatever even if it's a christian or, or gathering of Igbo people there will be a prayer um to god and then there'll be the sharing of the kola so i think that's one that i that stands out for me for sure yeah i don't know i was going to say kola not as well um, even though that's not really every culture, but my mom is Igbo, so I was going to tap into that side of my family. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't. I think I'm also not that well versed with every culture, which is really, really bad. I know, guys, don't even feel bad. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> asking my father would not have been uh, fruitful because he's very. <laughs> particular about certain conversations so um mm, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I don't think i can contribute in this with this question well i mean there there i think there well this is fair and i want to say like you know as if i if i went what you mentioned earlier that there is quite an overlap mm-hmm. that there are some things that are part of our culture that we don't we don't fully realize its roots in traditional religion. Do you get? Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a part of our life that there's no, that separation isn't there anymore. Yep. Um, and I want to say palm wine is one of them. Mm-hmm. I was just um, going to say that one too, yeah. And pouring out palm wine to the ancestors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to say is one of those things. And I haven't mm-hmm. been to too many village meetings, but. <laughs> You know, passing around of palm wine and drinking them in uh, the gourds um, mm. are definitely things I want to say have roots in. And also, even things as simple as uh, our local government names. I didn't realize until recently that Idemili, mm-hmm. which is my is local god. government, is are a you goddess. Idemili too? I am. You didn't really look at government. That's no kidding. <laughs> my Me local too. government. So I didn't even know that that name, Idemili, is like a goddess name. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's not a practice, but it's one of those things that has, you know, like we talked about overlap, that's become a part of my life and identity that I didn't know that it had any traditional religious history. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, I think it's an evil culture where... I think it's also with palm wine. Now, before you drink, like you pour some on the ground for, is it the ancestors or, is it, is it palm wine or is it just like anything that you drink? Or I don't know if you um, guys know what I'm I talking th- about. I think it could go between from palm wine, which of course is the like original natural, you know, drink that mm-hmm. any Igbo person can have access to or um, dry gin. 
Okay. Um. So, like, I guess at people's Ibanko, like, before the girl, like, takes the cup of palm wine to find her husband, um, they, they'll they pray over it, of course, offer whatever they're offering to whoever, and then she'll go give it to her husband. So, I think it goes, it's not just palm wine, but palm wine is, like, the most common or readily available drink. It's the drink. drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the drink. And this is if you I also want to say that the way we bury our dead mm. also has um roots in traditional religious practices. Um and I can't speak to the specifics, but you know, the washing of the body and what mm. the water is used for, mm. um who's allowed to see the body, who's allowed to prepare the body, things like along those lines. Um and just the and even with weddings, the things that like that I don't know if they I don't know if they have roots in religion, but uh, they're just think practices that happen. There's like a sequence of events, and some of those things have become have been pushed under the umbrella of culture that it's hard to say which is what's religion and what's culture sometimes because both really fuse together and become one. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it though. That's like, I think so, so, so this is if I think Africans or Yoruba people, or let me be specific, like myself, um, we do a disservice <laughs> to ourselves when we dismiss our traditional religions because it's so intertwined with culture. And if we, if we shun everything and like we're losing oral tradition we're losing like our connection to to our lands we're losing our connection to our ancestors if we are not at least learning about you know all these certain things and practices and 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 um yeah so i don't know if that made sense um it did and i uh i know i uh, i, I want to push back a little on this um because why not right yeah so i i think a lot of a lot of you know, African traditions and African religions. And a lot of the debate that you hear, um, between, say, African tradition and religion versus Christianity, for example, um, as has been mentioned, you know, you're receiving an imported religion that isn't natural to you, as, um, was being said. But then I, I reckon that in the, I don't know, from, say, the, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, um, and, and times when Christianity were, was brought to, to our land by missionaries, there were certain aspects of religion, um, that people felt hopeless about. Mm. So I'll use a personal example. So my mom is a twin. Mm. And for a fact, if Mary Slessor wasn't there at the time that she was, my mom would be dead, mm. right? Because there were cultural practices that said being born a twin, was offensive to the gods and those kids will be thrown in the bush and they would die right and so mm-hmm. in light of that if say my great grandma had twins and there was a religion that said mm. here is hope um your kids aren't you know they're not what's the word uh abominations damaged goods or abominations yeah. exactly um that people were willing to say if you're offering me that hope for my child to live, then I'm willing to accept it. So I don't want to completely dismiss the fact that people, like 
I don't think it was just that people were accepting a religion that was foreign. I think um, that the other things that go into that, like, was there, was it providing hope? Was it meeting a particular need that they did not necessarily feel um, that the tradition that they were worshiping at that time was failing? So I think there's, there's some, there should be a balance yeah. in the conversation, basically, is what I'm yeah. getting at. I totally... So, this is it. Can I jump in? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, if anyone. Want. I think Baba so I Ifakune want to, wants to know. jump in, so he'll jump in after you, if anyone. Want. So, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, provide another... Because the... And I don't want to be insensitive with the information you just shared, Onyeka, mm-hmm. about your oh, mom. Um, you know, but, you know, I think... There's space to acknowledge that, but at the same time, there's a different facet of the conversation where there's so many abominable things that have happened even by mm-hmm. Christians mm-hmm. Yeah, that have no. led to the deaths of... No. Completely agree. I'm just saying as far as providing a balanced conversation, because most of the time when I hear this conversation, um, people do not talk about the fact that there are other things that could have prompted people to want to go to a different religion is basically what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Christianity is the religion that has no bloodstained hands at all. I'm not saying that. I think it's also important to separate like what Christians have done and what Christianity stands for. Mm, true. Which the interpretation is always varying from generation to generation. Like the way our generation I don't know. It's always open to interpretation. Like the Christians in the way Nigerians, how they practice Christianity varies from how Christians Mm. in the Northeast America practice Christianity Mm. versus. So I don't know. They're just, like you said, like they're layers to this conversation and their complexities Mm. Mm -hmm. to consider as well. Mm -hmm. But yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, you see, with the, the idea of um, of what Africans are in, in in the diaspora, and and again, I, I can't speak for all Africans in the diaspora, but I do have a voice in the diaspora. Is that the experience of Christianity was forced upon all Africans? All Africans, Christianity was forced. Islam was forced. On all Africa, it was brought in again. It was brought in, and it was forced. This is the idea of the Crusades. This is why you have missionaries. This is why you have an extent of missionaries that go into Haiti in the conversion, and in one of the first free places in the world in in eighteen o three, Haiti was the only place in the entire universe that they did not have slavery. The idea of being born in 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 Africa and uh, being outside of Africa. We have a very, very different perspectives. So you guys are, and who are, are continental Africans are looking in Africa and seeing things. Well, this is just what it is. Christianity, you couldn't go to school as an African if you weren't either is- Islamic or Christian. Mm-hmm. Because many of the traditional, if traditional practicing people, they didn't, they weren't allowed to go to school if they were, they had to convert. Mm-hmm. Even my own master, you know, one day at Bimbola, who was a professor, who who had to convert in, at age 13 to Christianity after having been trained by Balao, been trained in, in extensive training, had to be converted so that he could go and, and then eventually become uh, the chancellor. He was the chancellor and the head and the president, he even ran for governmental office in Nigeria. But he wasn't able to do that as a traditional person because traditional people, they would keep you down and back. And so this is the idea. It doesn't really, 
I don't have so much, like you said, blood-stained hands, and uh, you know, it's not a hatred for Christianity. I, you know, because uh, my first religion was Christianity, just like you all. But or you know, the idea is that what has it done? What what has it done? It has brought, like you said, you're not respecting what is naturally yours. What is naturally, and and the idea of what is the difference between culture and religion? What's a religious practice? And what's a cultural practice? And should we give up our culture for the sake of religion? And that's really what it is. You know, the, we you say, well, we keep and we maintain some cultural practice. Um, even in, in fact that my family is actually, um, have my lineage is directly Igbo. And um, uh, mm. I have some Yoruba, but mainly directly Igbo. My, grand, my great-great-grandfather was Igbo. Mm. And I have no concept or, or clue about how his people practice, or all those things was because it's been taught that we should hate our own. We should hate our own religion. We should hate our own traditions. We, when you go to other people, the Indians are very proud of what they do, of what their practices are. They're very proud. They, there's never a time that you go to a Chinese restaurant and you don't see some resemblance of what they give for their ancestors or something part of their tradition. Everyone re respects and still gives honor to their traditions. And but Africans have been taught to hoard and to hate what is theirs naturally and to be able to, av and to, to advocate for other traditions, external traditions, as being better or more enlightened than their own, which is totally bogus. And that's really my point. I'm listening to you all about talking about your traditions and I suspect that you all are in your 20s, going into your 30s, and you have so little knowledge. You need to study more about mm -hmm. the history. And I, and I urge you all to study history so much more so that you get a better concept and clue about what your tradition, what your family traditions were. You know, there's a woman that I met, mm -hmm. and her name was Ogun. She said, my name is Ogun. Her last name was called Ogun. I says, there's no way your name could be Ogun. Yes, yes, it's Ogun. I says, no, is it Ogun Sade? Is Ogun uh, uh, some? What else comes behind mm -hmm. Ogun? But she says, no, that's it. She was a client of mine. And I impressed upon her that she needed to go and find out. It took her to find some older person because her father wouldn't even say what his original name was. Because the way, and I, I'm so sorry, I don't remember the exact pronunciation of, of what I think was Ogun's. Sade or something that was that if you said it in in um in where they were from, it meant something that was good. So she had they changed their name and they dropped the last segment of their name and this made it Ogun. And so it took her for a while before she was able to really find out the whole story and to find out what the entire fullness of, of her name was. That she, you know, that I urged upon her that, look, that can't be right. And even though she insisted, I said, no, it's not right. And that's because mm -hmm. I've studied the history of the Yoruba extensively that I knew it could never be just Ogun. They would never just have mm -hmm. that as a last name. And, yeah. um, yeah. and she, she eventually found out and found out the story. And that story gave her a better meaning in her life. And I guarantee, and what she had done after finding out that information, She's become so much more increasingly um, successful in her life. This the little bit of knowledge of her history gave her a sense of pride. She opened up a business. She's doing very well. She has a product out now. And prior to that, 
she was just struggling, going to someone else's job. And, um, you know, but it gave her a sense of identity. And this is the real mm -hmm. important thing that I want to bring to your listening audience. What is your identity? You know, are, mm -hmm. you know, and how is your identity being represented in your religion? Religion, identity, mm -hmm. culture, all those things come together in such a way that yeah, it has yeah. to represent who you are. And I encourage you all to be inquisitive about who you are. And who and what's your nature of your, of your not religion? Okay, you don't want to be a traditional religion? No problem. Yeah. Yeah. But more importantly, uh, realize your identity as Africans. First of all, you are first African before you're even a Christian. Mm -hmm. And who are you as a, as an African? As a, as a human being? Because remember when they took people out of Africa and they took loads, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people out of Africa. The the, 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 that atrocity that was performed. And it was on the good ship Jesus that they took them off of. It was called, the ship was called Jesus. That good ship Jesus that went in was one of the first ships that went into the Congo and took Africans out. They did not take slaves. They took human beings. They took carpenters. They took children. They took mothers. They took grandmothers. They took people who were good people who knew and respected their elders and worshiped and re remembered their their ways mm -hmm. and uh, this mm -hmm. idea of the, that they go and they tell people oh yeah they did slave ships no no they were not slave ships those are humans people those are they were not slaves they those people had to be beaten and conditioned to become slaves enslaved those were enslaved and there's a difference between being enslaved and being a slave and they love to say that there was this slave in the slave trade and the slave no 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 there was there was a human cargo that they took from Africa. They took human cargo. There wasn't slaves. Those were people who had their identity. They had their names. They had their religion. They had their beliefs. These were not slaves. And they beat them to atrocity. Yeah. You know, to human and that is a part of what the difference between people in the diaspora and people who are continental Africans. And yeah. that we have a very different sense of what went on and what happened. Um, so, wow, that, that was a really, uh, good explanation. And I, and I do want to point out something that I, and if you listen to our podcast, we talk about how, you know, our, our history books in schools, you know, we're missing things. Um, but there's one thing mm -hmm. I do want to give props to is I went to, should I say it at this time? I went to QC. You don't have even the current, <laughs> current situation. Anyways, but if there was one thing I definitely appreciated was the fact that like we had to take, um, what's it called? Uh, Nigerian language. Nigerian yeah. language. Yeah. And I absolutely mm -hmm. appreciate the fact that, I mean, as an Igbo person learning about Omena Landigbo, like the things about our people, the cultures and the traditions, um, and going on acculturation, which was basically depending on the language that you took, you went to, um, mm -hmm. stay in, in a, in a city for about two, two weeks. Mm -hmm. Was it two weeks mm -hmm. thereabouts? Mm -hmm. And you yeah. kind of lived life with the people, um, went to different festivals and things like that. So I definitely really appreciate the fact, um, that we were made to have Nigerian language, which taught us, um, about the culture and traditions, um, of our people. With that said, um, I, I kind of want to almost go right back to the drawing board because I think, um, on a foundational level for you, what, like, and I think this is for everybody, what does religion do for you? 
right? Because um, regardless of what that religion is and on a foundational level, what does religion do for you and how does your identity come through in that religion? Because I don't necessarily think that because um, I'm Christian, I'm any less Igbo or I'm any less Nigerian. I don't know if that makes that's sense. That's a great segue, actually. And that's it. Thank you for listening to part one of our episode on African traditional religions. Part two will be coming to you just a week from now. So stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you.